Chapter Thirty of Prodigal Daughters by Joseph Hawking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kate Fallis. Chapter Thirty, at Spurling and Kings. Eleanor Trelawney had said but little to her sister about her own experiences. She had told her nothing of the episode which had so frightened her. Neither had she mentioned Rod Ravenscroft in any way. On the morning following Ravenscroft's visit, she had received a letter from Ellen Chellew telling her that she did not intend to return to the flat again and asking her to forward her things to a given address. As Eleanor read the letter, she felt the tragedy of it, and instead of doing what she had been asked, she wrote a long letter to Ellen, beseeching her to come back. Her eyes were being opened. But her letter was sent in vain. Two days later, she received another epistle from Ellen, to the effect that she had counted the cost of her action, and that she did not intend to be tied down to puritanical notions. As for Eleanor herself, her mind was in a condition difficult to describe her experiences on the night when ravenscroft had rescued her from a position which she shrank from thinking about had somehow revolutionized her whole being she could not understand the infatuation which women of the tamsin corey class had had over her the sudden revelation of her feelings in regard to Rod Ravenscroft had changed everything. Never had Eleanor realized the helplessness of her future as she realized it now. For years she had rather gloried in the idea that men had no attraction for her. She had been pleased when she had been referred to as sexless. The whole idea of giving her life to any man was utterly out of accord with her philosophy of life. For that reason, she had been largely oblivious to Ravenscroft's real feelings towards her, and if she had known, she would not have cared. Of course she was very young, and had been well-nigh carried off her feet by Tamsin Corey, and was under the spell of women who proclaimed the new era of moral and intellectual liberty which had hitherto been denied to her sex. Then followed the events which are outlined in this narrative— with all a foolish girl's confidence in her own powers, she had seen no danger in her associations with Wakeham. Other women had their men friends. Why not she? It was true she did not like Wakeham. He struck her as a coarse, somewhat unpleasant specimen of the man about town, but she reflected that he might be helpful to her, especially in view of Peggy's difficulties but she was not afraid. Her own feelings were entirely platonic, and she laughed at the idea that she, Eleanor Trelawney, who had always been spoken of as cold as an icicle, would be unable to take care of herself. Up to that time she was as determined as ever not to submit to the restrictions of home life, neither did she repent of the step she had taken— of course, she missed many of the refinements and comforts of her father's house at Hampstead, but in their place she had her liberty, 
and she was able to live her own life. Then came that awful moment when Rod Ravenscroft had rescued her from the ghastly position in which she had found herself. She realized the horror she had of such men as Wakeham, realized, too, how they regarded women. Of course, one thing had been made plain to her. She was no longer able to go to speak and Burnham's. She imagined that in any case Wakeham would make it impossible, but even if he desired her to retain her old position, she could not do so. She therefore wrote to the firm, resigning her position. But what to do she did not know. She had but very little money, and how to live was a question which stared her in the face. On the Monday, she diligently searched the advertisements in the newspaper for something that might suit her. Many of these advertisements she answered, sometimes in writing, sometimes in person, but nothing came of them. Positions no longer went begging, and there seemed to be half a dozen applicants for every one that was open. At the end of a week, she was well-nigh in despair. That she must leave St. Hildebrand's mansions was evident. Shabby and uncomfortable as her rooms were, she could not pay for them. Indeed, as she looked at the rapidly diminishing contents of her purse, a great terror possessed her. Then, suddenly, great good fortune came to her. She received a letter from a well-known firm in the city, signed by one of the partners, which seemed to her like a message from heaven. She could not understand it. What could such a firm as Spurling and King know of her? She was not aware that these people were cognizant of her existence, yet the letter before her was plain enough. Dear Madam, it ran, we are given to understand that you have left Messrs. Speak and Burnham, where you acted as secretary to Mr. Wakeham of that firm, as I am in need of a secretary, and as I judge, from what I have heard of your capabilities, you would be able to do the work I require, I shall be glad, if you are open to consider the situation which I offer, if you will call at the above address to-morrow morning at half-past ten. Yours faithfully, Alfred Spurling. The news seemed too good to be true. Surely it must be a hoax. But no, it could not be. It was written on the firm's notepaper, and bore every sign of genuineness. Spurling and King was an old established firm of merchants. It was on the highest pedestal of respectability, and was known for its soundness and its old-fashioned ways. She had heard it spoken of as a firm which had fought long against modern innovations and had for years refused to adopt either the telephone or the typewriter. Of course she would go. There was an old-world courtesy manifest in the letter which cheered her in spite of herself. When she arrived at the offices of Spurling and King, she was impressed by the atmosphere of the place. Everything was quiet and orderly. The furniture of the offices was somewhat old, but it suggested security and respectability. There was none of the rush and hurry which she had seen at Speak and Burnham's. Most of the clerks were middle-aged men. 
some indeed were quite old and looked as though they had been there all their lives will you come this way said the man who looked at the paper on which her name and business were written mr spurling is expecting you a minute later she was ushered into a spacious office which seemed so quiet and restful that it might have been far away from the great rushing life of the metropolis the furniture of the room was rich and costly thickly piled carpets covered the floor great heavy mahogany desks and cases were placed around the room everything spoke of prosperity and order seated at a desk not far from a glowing fire sat a portly white-haired old gentleman who looked at her steadily for a few seconds through his gold-rimmed spectacles he might have been from sixty-five to seventy years of age and had a benign placid appearance which reminded eleanor of the prosperous old-time merchant of a hundred years ago there was no suggestion of the get-rich-quick kind of man in this old gentleman he was not the sort who would touch risky speculations neither would he connive at shady transactions possibly his father and grandfather drove to the city in the old days before trains and telegraphs behind a spanking pair of horses from some comfortable country mansion situated a few miles from london miss eleanor trelawney he queried as he looked at the paper which the man had left with him the girl nervously assented good old-fashioned names both of them remarked the old gentleman with a smile any relation of the trelawney family of cornwall i believe we are distantly connected replied the girl but we don't know them no but it's a good old-fashioned name anyhow but you are not old-fashioned i take it miss trelawney i don't quite understand you sir ventured eleanor i dare say you don't what i meant was that you have broken away from the old traditions concerning a woman's place and work i hear you are an excellent stenographer and typist that you understand bookkeeping and have quite an intimate knowledge of affairs generally i hear too that you know a good deal about shipping a little replied eleanor let me see how much and forthwith he put to the girl a number of questions technical as well as general about the great shipping industries of the world while he did so he was no longer the placid benign old gentleman but the keen man of affairs who had his finger on the pulse of the world's commerce yes he said with a smile when that part of his catechism was over for a young lady you know a great deal where and how did you learn it eleanor told him i see he went on but even with the facilities you have had it requires a good deal of intelligence to learn so much in such a short time but what about your stenography and typing i want to know something of that i may tell you that i am very particular about my letters and about the way drafts of contracts are drawn up i make a strong point of punctuation and paragraphing sometimes too i dictate very rapidly 
and i require such intelligence and education on the part of my secretary as will enable her to interpret my meaning as well as the exact words i utter in short i hate the idea of an automaton and desire an intelligent secretary do you mind if i put you to the test a minute later eleanor was seated at a table writing rapidly while the old gentleman walked to and fro dictating a technical document there he said at the end of ten minutes if you'll get that transcribed i shall see whether you can help me in the way i desire eleanor seated herself before the typewriter and commenced her work at first she was so excited and nervous that she made many mistakes but before she reached the end of the page she was in full possession of her faculties again she therefore threw the page away and commenced a new one at the end of half an hour she had the document all ready the old gentleman read it carefully word by word noting each paragraph each colon each semicolon each full stop yes he said at length this will do very well you work carefully and rapidly there are no scratchings out no smudges there is not only education here but intelligence as far as i can see i shall not have to make a single alteration he stood for a few minutes as if thinking deeply do you like this kind of work miss trelawney no replied the girl then why do you do it forgive me i did not speak quite accurately replied eleanor i do like it in a way the drudgery of typewriting is not pleasant but there is real interest in the human side of business it appeals to the imagination it widens one's outlook besides one must do what one can yes yes i see it might have been that questions of a personal nature were hanging upon his lips but he did not ask them perhaps his conception of the courtesy due to a lady prevented him i think you may regard yourself as engaged miss trelawney he said presently thank you i will do my best yes said the old gentleman after a pause you are on the point of asking me something what is it i was wondering if you did not require references said eleanor with a painful blush something she knew not what dragged the words from her references ah yes of course but you are a daughter of general lester trelawney are you not yes he bears a great name a good name with regard to your business abilities i have satisfied myself and of course the daughter of general trelawney should not need to be recommended still perhaps you would not mind my writing to your father i would rather you did not replied eleanor ah why i would rather you did not she repeated i'm sorry for that i want to be absolutely frank with you mr spurling said eleanor i have left my father's house dear dear wasn't he kind to you no no i recall that question i had no right to ask it 
i think you had replied the girl all the same i'd rather not answer it she felt ashamed of herself why she did not know except that there was something in this courtly old-fashioned gentleman's demeanour which made her feel that she had done something unworthy in a way he reminded her of her father although he was altogether different from him there was no suggestion of military precision such as she had associated with her father instead of being tall spare upright the very embodiment of a british soldier mr spurling was portly and somewhat homely in his appearance and yet she saw the stamp of the same kind of man of course you'll be willing for me to refer to speak in burnham queried mr spurling yes she replied but i saw little either of mr speak or mr burnham i was secretary to mr wakeham and again she flushed painfully and you left there on your own accord yes may i ask why eleanor's lips became tremulous and she spoke with difficulty because mr wakeham was not a gentleman she replied mr spurling was silent for a few seconds then he said with a smile perhaps both mr speak and mr burnham know more about you than you think however i feel quite confident in engaging you if you care to come to me yes there is another question you want to ask me what is it again eleanor felt afraid this old gentleman pleasant and benign as he appeared to be seemed to possess a kind of intuition a power of reading her unexpressed thoughts you were wondering how i came to hear of you he went on but my dear young lady you need not trouble about that people in my position have all sorts of means of finding out things besides i happen to know the firm you were with before you went to speak in burnham's there's nothing else is there oh yes i forgot there's the question of salary if it is not rude on my part how much did they give you eleanor told him i will continue that replied mr spurling if it's quite agreeable to you thank you replied the girl and by the way miss trelawney i have a young lady in the office who has been with me some time poor girl she's very unfortunate she has just lost her father and is for the moment without a home i wonder if you know of lodgings which are within her means honeywood is her name quite a nice girl if if she would share my rooms cried eleanor eagerly a few minutes later she had explained to mr spurling how she was situated ah i should think that would suit miss honeywood very well but of course you must see her before anything is settled living together is a very serious matter and you and she might not like each other i think you will though then there is another matter i must introduce you to miss statham miss statham is my partner's secretary indeed she is something more than a secretary and has very intimate relationships with the firm it is well that you should know her she is a very capable woman 
very capable indeed she has been with us something like ten years will you come this way he led the way to an adjoining office as he spoke an office which was almost a replica of the one she had just left the same air of comfort prevailed the same quietness the same order and the same atmosphere of established prosperity seated at a desk similar to that of mr spurling sat a gentleman who might have been five years his junior he was faultlessly attired and although not portly like mr spurling suggested the same quiet contentment near to him sat a woman of about thirty-five years of age with whom he had evidently been conversing on an important matter this is miss trelawney mr king the young lady i told you about she has been with me for the last hour and i think we have satisfied each other that we shall be able to work together i am delighted miss trelawney said mr king rising from his chair and holding out his hand you'll find mr spurling a hard taskmaster but i will say this of him he is very just extremely so in fact this is miss statham and he nodded to the lady who sat near him she has been with us a good many years now and knows our business intimately yes miss trelawney added mr spurling as i told you it will be well for you to know miss statham she will be able to initiate you into the intricacies of our business better than any one and we trust her absolutely absolutely we have reason to eleanor gave a quick glance towards the woman in question she was about thirty-five years of age but she looked younger and in a way handsome ten years before she might have been beautiful but now there were lines upon her face an expression of weariness in her demeanour and a look in her eyes difficult to define that she was capable no one could doubt proficiency thoroughness clear-sightedness and a keen appreciation of her duties were manifest in her every look and movement and yet in a way which eleanor could not understand there was something in her presence which repelled her perhaps it was because her mouth was somewhat drawn down at the corners and suggested discontent or perhaps it might have been because of something restless and yearning in her eyes this did not come to eleanor as a distinct thought but as a kind of vague impression which she could neither understand nor put into words and yet she was strangely drawn to her that the woman was a lady it was impossible to doubt it might be too that she moved in good society and certainly if her looks did not utterly belie her she possessed an intelligence of a very high order have you two finished asked mr spurling after a general conversation about the work of the firm we were just finishing as you came in replied mr king miss statham is of opinion that we should take no part in that indian business and i quite agree with her ah you've come to that conclusion too have you replied mr spurling well i'm very glad of it but there are two or three matters i want to speak to you about alone king so you may as well come into my room meanwhile i think it will be well for miss statham and miss trelawney to spend an hour or two together 
i was just going to suggest the same thing replied mr king miss trelawney will naturally feel somewhat strange and i am sure miss statham will soon familiarize her with what she has to do then there is the question of miss honeywood have you spoken to miss trelawney i have replied mr spurling miss trelawney occupies a little flat quite convenient to her work here and the young lady who has been living with her has lately left her so it will be to their mutual advantage to join forces assuming of course that there is a mutual liking i think there will be too miss honeywood is not brilliant but she is an exceedingly nice girl it's now twelve o'clock said miss statham when the partners had left them together we will have an hour's chat and then go out to lunch together what do you say i shall be delighted replied eleanor who in spite of miss statham's somewhat rigid manner began to be drawn towards her for an hour she explained to eleanor the broad outlines of the business of the firm and the particular duties she would have to perform and as one question led to another eleanor became impressed by the prodigious amount of knowledge which the other had amassed as the conversation proceeded too the older woman became almost enthusiastic the firm did business in almost every part of the world and its transactions were large and important eleanor quickly found that miss statham's knowledge was not only extensive but intimate she was able to explain the locality of shipping centres of which eleanor knew nothing but the name she knew the financial resources of nearly every country in the world and what those resources comprised she spoke with assurance of the political outlook as well as of the constitution of various leading countries and she seemed to have an intimate knowledge of the markets of the world oh you are wonderful the girl could not help exclaiming after an hour's conversation you seem to know everything do i replied miss statham with a smile which was a little pathetic i had to you know the firm as you can see has very large connections and in a way is more or less linked up with nearly all the great commercial nations and of course i could not occupy a position of trust until i first of all made myself worthy of it but shall we go and have some lunch now i happen to know a place where there is a tolerable degree of comfort and if you don't mind we'll go there but let me get off a few things first she rang a bell as she spoke and during the next few minutes interviewed four grey-haired men and gave them certain instructions there she said when she had finished we can be free for two or three hours now when we come back i will introduce you to miss honeywood poor girl she is neither handsome nor interesting and it will be an act of charity on your part to let her live with you this was eleanor's introduction to spurling and kings and her first impressions were confirmed during the weeks that followed at first she wondered a good deal why she had been employed by such a firm in such a capacity with practically no introduction but as time went by this ceased to trouble her she devoted all her powers to the understanding of the work she had to do and did her best to carry out her duties according to her employer's wishes 
indeed as she told herself again and again she had been marvellously fortunate few girls at her age occupied such an important post as the weeks went by and she understood more and more of the inwardness of the work of the firm her work became increasingly interesting it is true her salary was not very large but it was enough for her to live in comfort and to enjoy a moderate amount of amusement she found miss honeywood just as miss statham had described her it is true her intelligence was somewhat limited while of imagination she had little or none but she was good-natured and refined her parents had been poor but she had the upbringing of a lady and thus eleanor was far more happy in her private life than she had been for some time of wakeham she heard nothing it might appear that he was glad of her silence certainly he took no steps to renew his acquaintance with her little by little too the poignancy of her memories of the last night she saw him became less and less she still thought of it with horror and shame but she tried to drive it away from her mind the moment it came to her why it was she could give no definite explanation but her friendship with tamson corey and the other women of her set cooled as if by magic she found no delight or interest in tamson's society indeed when they occasionally met she had something like a feeling of shame that she had once called her friend of rod ravenscroft she had seen nothing since that sunday morning when he had visited her at st hildebrand's mansions neither by word or sign did he remind her of his existence she remembered with bitterness the circumstances which led to his visit as well as the conversation which had taken place between them she tried to cease thinking of him but could not and although she struggled against the feeling which possessed her she knew that it was impossible for her to overcome it as eleanor thought of this she was overwhelmed by a kind of despair it was true she was comfortably situated she had an appointment with a good firm and she was kindly treated but life and the whole outlook of life was utterly barren she felt that she had thrown away happiness even if rod ravenscroft had cared for her he could never be anything to her after what he had seen and heard she had by her own madness destroyed all possibility of his respect in spite of her utmost endeavour to fight against it she found herself recalling the scene when wakeham poured words into her ears which outraged her womanhood she saw herself struggle with him saw herself fighting his would-be caresses leaping out of the taxicab and rushing madly through the streets of london at midnight oh the horror of it she remembered the words those drunken men had said to her they had taken her to be a lost woman of the streets and had spoken to her as such and then while she had fought against them rod ravenscroft had come to her help what must he have thought of her whatever he had felt towards her in the past he could only think of her now with a kind of shame and she she had brought it on herself 
still eleanor trelawney was a proud girl and she determined to fight her way she was interested in her work too her keen intelligence appreciated the far-reaching transactions of spurling and king and she saw that although she had been lately employed she was becoming more and more trusted the more she saw of miss statham the more she respected her she could not help doing so her almost masculine intelligence and her grasp of the broad issues of commerce compelled her admiration socially however she drew no nearer to her miss statham gave her no confidences and asked for none she met her in a friendly way talked to her about their work but beyond this their acquaintance did not go eleanor knew nothing of how or where she lived who her acquaintances were or what her history was that she received a good income there could be no doubt she dressed well and from what eleanor could judge moved in good society she could not help seeing too that she was deeply in the confidence of both her employers while her opinions were greatly respected and generally acted upon by them compared with hers eleanor's was a subordinate position indeed she often had to take orders from miss statham as did others who occupied responsible positions in the firm thus days lengthened into weeks and weeks into months of her home she knew nothing she had intimated to her father and mother that she did not wish any communication with them while she had written to her brother john practically forbidding him to come to see her and all the time she was filled with a great heart hunger it was now ten months since she had left home the time was not long as time goes and yet it seemed to her as though ages had passed since her hampstead days she had made her choice in life but what did it mean what had the future to offer her one day it was just after she had paid her sunday afternoon visit to primrose terrace miss statham came into the room where she was working how do you spend your evenings miss trelawney she asked generally in my rooms replied eleanor occasionally i go to a women's club of which i am a member and now and then i take miss honeywood to a theatre and-and that's about all i think i wish you'd come and have some dinner with me on friday night will you i shall be awfully glad if i may replied eleanor aren't you well miss statham oh yes i'm very well i suppose but-but never mind about me you will come on friday night then yes but where i was forgetting i live close by regent's park about seven minutes walk from oxford circus subway station you'd rather come there than go to a restaurant wouldn't you besides we can be alone and have a quiet chat here is my address and she handed eleanor a visiting card on the friday evening she found her way to the address miss statham had given her and although she could not explain why she felt that something important was going to happen. End of chapter 30